This is true buzz That Mary Jane Now we ain't new to this For my stoners And for my cannabis enthusiasts Never heard a show as good as this uh, Number one, it's the best Bringing in many special guests In the industry of cannabis Business owners to growers Even artists you know of So sit back and just roll up Perfect show for my smokers True buzz Hey. What's happening, guys? Welcome to the True Bud Show podcast here in the Third Wheel Podcast Studio. Typically, I have somebody else sitting in this chair, but we're going to run through a solo one today. And that's how I'll start this podcast off. I talk about that pretty often in the cannabis space in general or any creative space, actually. You have to be ready to pivot, you know, when things happen. So, you know, guests can't make it. I'm still going to come here, deliver, and, you know, we're going to have something beautiful come out of it. I believe in that truly. So, today we're going to go over some news articles I was looking up earlier. Some are interesting. One's funny that I saw pop up a while ago. Um, it's about this like couple at a wedding who got arrested for dosing people up basically, but the other ones are more serious. Um, we'll talk about, you know, some dispensaries here in LA and particularly the artist tree I went to recently. They just opened their lounge. Um, you know, talk about how I got kind of started in cannabis. I know I've touched on that before. Um, and then we'll t talk about just how to make infusions, how to make edibles, what I've learned in the process. And then this is a pretty good one, I think, especially for the creators out there who are listening to this in the cannabis spaces, how to make money on your cannabis content, because we know we can't monetize it in the traditional ways that most people will monetize their content through views and advertisement, etc. Um, last but not least, you know, time permitting, I'll just talk about cannabis beverage sales, the cannabis um, kind of network out here in California in general, breaking into dispensaries and whatnot like that. So let's start off with some of these articles here. I, I think we can start off with this first one that I've seen everybody. This is on the, I've seen LA Times, New York Times. This is uh, funny enough on the BBC's uh, news is the one I pulled up. Uh, U.S. bride and caterer arrested for allegedly drugging guests with cannabis. Police in Florida have arrested a bride and caterer after finding they have allegedly added cannabis to food that was later served to wedding guests. The arrest came some two months after officials were called to the wedding to assist guests who said they felt as though they had been drugged. Dana Safodba, I probably butchered that, and caterer Jocelyn Bryan faced charges of tampering, uh, neg negligence, and delivery of marijuana. Officials made the arrest after testing food and drinks from the party. The wedding occurred then. Um, responding deputies wrote in their incident report of the several 50 guests presented reporting feeling weird after eating meatballs, Caesar salad, tortellini, and bread with an olive oil and herb dip. It's probably that olive oil that got you rocked. Uh, guests were complaining of stomach pain. Some were playing of heart pains. Um, according to a f one guest. So it talks about some of the different guests and whatnot. Um, police left after collecting glassware and food to be tested, including chocolate-covered strawberries, pudding, desserts, and lasagna. Officials said that the breaded lasagna t tested positive for THC. So basically, they dosed their stuff up and didn't tell everybody. And I'll be the first one to say that's not cool. Even somebody that enjoys smoking weed all the time. I don't want to get like dosed and not know it. It's kind of impressive, actually, with some of this that some people didn't know this the taste. So props to the chef who did that. Um, but it's also kind of crazy to me that, you know, it's somebody's wedding. So I'm just imagining if I had my wedding and I dose some stuff up. Firstly, I'd tell people, but let's pretend I didn't. All of a sudden, guests from the wedding are going to start charging me with, you know, what were the initial charges that I said? Like, that's tampering uh, negligence and delivery of marijuana, like some felony charges for just having some weed in the stuff. 
you know, I said it's funny. I don't know how funny it really is, but I could just picture all these people at a wedding, like this guy, old guys, like heart pumping and shit. But it's just pretty crazy, man, that people are getting arrested for that. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Would that piss you off if somebody dosed you up? Because like I said, I wouldn't be that cool with it. But I, at the same time, I'd be like, I'm high, I'm chilling. But people who've never smoked before, man, that's another level. So let's roll over to this next one here. Um, this one's actually pretty fucking stupid if you ask me um we absolutely it's called it's los angeles times we absolutely don't need this 300 dollars nespresso for weed it's basically a pre-roll thing that costs 300 dollars and it's pretty big i'll chop a picture in this uh, podcast uh it's a toaster size automated joint rolling machine that officially hits the market may 1st desperately wants to be the nespresso of weed there are a couple of things that make that an apt comparison. It's going to sleek a um, monochrome exterior that would make it look right at home next to your cuisine star or kitchen aid counter. And the pods it uses bearing a striking resemblance to half dome uh, capsules that you just pop in if you're getting a drink. It's a high end, a triple digit price point, 300 bucks, which feels a little on the expensive side for something any self-respecting weed head should be able to do quickly and easily. And I just fully agree with that because first of all, rolling joints for me is kind of a therapeutic thing. It's like an art thing. I really enjoy it. I've always been the joint roller for my friends and whatnot. But not only that, who wants to have this huge thing sitting on their counter to roll one joint for you that costs 300 bucks? I mean, even if money's not a thing to you, I just think it sounds a little ridiculous. I mean, it'd be cool to see. They can send me one. I'll try it, make a video on it. But it's just crazy. That's how I always felt about buying glass pieces too, or buying like the Puffco. That's why I haven't bought this ex these expensive pieces that cost hundreds of dollars because I'm always like, I'd rather just buy some cannabis. I'd rather just buy some flour. I'd rather buy some edibles than buying a, this joint rolling machine, especially. I'd definitely rather have other shit like a Puffco than this. But it's interesting how this, I'm really interested to see how this goes. I could see him doing some cool marketing with it and making it work. Um, it's super easy to use. If you can turn on a bedside lamp, you'll be able to, uh, able to master the be uh, bead in no time at all. I went from boxing opening to roll joint in well under three minutes. And most of that was spent, um, to open the childproof sleeve. Excuse me. So yeah, delightfully designed con you're married to the pod. Like the Nespresso Virtue, buying this machine means you're only buying into the proprietary pod system, fuck that, which means you're limited to six B-theme options in the range of THC-CBD ratios. I mean, I get it, it's smart, but at the same time, their shit better be good, right? With eight pod sleeves selling for an MSRP of 32 bucks. With eight pod sleeves, I guess that's not terrible, I don't see how eight, so that's eight pre-rolls, right? For 32 bucks. So that's reasonable. But how many, how much is it? Is it like 0.3 grams? Is it one gram? Is it two grams? I imagine it's probably 0.5 to one. So that's reasonable. But then you got to wonder again, what's the quality of this stuff that's in this pod? How long has the pod been sitting? How are they going to keep it fresh in there? Is it fresh? Is it dried? Is it shake? Is it trash? Uh, could probably be all of the above. Um, Sesh wise, that means if someone shows up and throws down some serious sticky bud, you'll have to back away from the bead and roll up old school. Yeah, perhaps like another proprietary coffee meets pod system, Keurig and its K-cup pods, they'll eventually be fill your own option that is not currently in the case with the bead. 
Yeah, I mean, it just seems ridiculous. Some of these kind of high-end things, like, I mean, I feel like the people that would want that probably, I don't know, man. It's just such a weird thing. It's cool, though. I mean, it helps legitimize it. That's the beauty of all this shit to me is, like, it helps legitimize the cannabis space, having somebody have a joint roller with that has a little pod system on their counter. That's cool. Like, I can't hate on that. If I went to somebody's house and they had that, I'd be, that's pretty cool. You smoke kind of, you know, makes it seem more normal, normalizes cannabis in general. Now, this one here. For those of you guys that don't know, I've talked about it pretty often. So I'm from New Jersey. That's where my whole weed journey began. I started selling bud when I was 16 um, in Jersey, you know, got the first half ounce, broke that down, sold, sold it by the gram, man, just for that free smoke and kept it going and just moving the weight up. So I have a place in my heart for New Jersey. And when it became legal there, there's been a whole process, but people are finally able to buy it recently. Long story short, on the first day of adult use marijuana sales in Jersey, um, there was 1.9 million spent. Now, before I get into this, I've, I actually ran into a guy who's has a grow, I believe it was in Jersey. I ran into him at 99 High Tide in Malibu, which is a recent dispensary that we just got in with Koan. And he was telling me, I was talking, I was saying, oh, I'm excited. You know, I'm from Jersey. We always bullshit about that when you meet other people from where you're from. Um, but what we talked about too was just the kind of the most messed up part is that gr home grow is still illegal. Now, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think the biggest one is just control um, and making people spend money at the stores. And also with that, I think it's a way that they can still get the revenue on the back end from making bust on people who are illegally growing. So there's a lot kind of to unpack there, um, but I'm going to dive into this article and we'll refer to some of that in a moment. Customers who stood in long lines for the start of adult use marijuana sales in New Jersey on April 21st bought 1.9 million worth of cannabis related uh, products. According to Bloomberg, 12,438 customers spent roughly 153 per purchase on the day New Jersey joined 17 other states and the District of Columbia as markets were recreationally marijuana legal. Now, the funny thing is there's a lot of places that can't have stores. So if it was fully open, those numbers would be a lot bigger. On launch day, New Jersey regulators reported few initial glitches, although some customers had to stand in lines dozens of people long. Meanwhile, according to Bloomberg, the State Cannabis Commission reported that medical marijuana dispensaries sold an estimated 64,000 ounces or 4,000 pounds of uh, MMJ over the past month. 2022, uh, okay, we'll skip that as a little art, uh, ad. 12 of the first 13 MMJ dispensaries that received licenses to sell adult use marijuana have opened their doors. So only 12 of the first 13 were open and they were still able to do that number. Those numbers, that's pretty mind blowing to me. Um, the 2022 um, fact book projects that New Jersey market will generate 625 million to 775 million in sales this year, growing to 2 billion to 2.4 billion a year by 2026. Now, I've said this so many times, guys, like looking at these numbers in these states that are doing this and seeing this huge influx of cash. And I said this right when COVID hit, like the cannabis industry has been booming and actually was a really solid industry during COVID. 
And that's why I was like, we're, we're sending out all these stimulus checks. We're doing all this shit when there's a way to bring in a huge influx of cash if we just made things federally legal. We'll bring in so much revenue. It's insane. But there's still that pushback. There's still stuff going on right now. You know, there's... I'm not too hopeful that anything's going to pass anytime soon in terms of federal legalization. And that's a whole wormhole to dive down as well, because who knows what's really going to happen with legalities, the mom and pop grows and, you know, things like that. And I feel like that's a good segue into this next article. Um, let me pull this up here. California bill allowing pot farmers to sell directly at farmer's market advances. Now, let me read this, and this is pretty dense here, too, because there's some varying opinions on this. And I'll give you my personal first thoughts as well. Consumers would be able to buy cannabis directly from cultivators at uh, farmers markets just like they do for produce. Under legalization approved Tuesday by the State Assembly Committee on Business and Professions, the push to allow small farmers to sell directly comes as cultivators are seeing their most daunting financial challenges since legalization of cannabis in 2018. The wholesale prices farmers receive for outdoor grown marijuana collapsed to 488 a pound. That's pretty fucking solid. I bought ounces in Jersey for more than that. Um, a more than 55% price drop from 15 months earlier. That's crazy. 55% drop in what they're making shows uh, uh, research cannabis benchmarks. The legalization still needs to be clear, the Assembly Appropriations Committee and the full Assembly Chamber, and then go through the Senate before reaching the governor's desk. Still, it's a first step that pleased several dozen farmers that showed up for Tuesday's vote. This is an important first step that will make our cash flow by being able to sell directly at farmers markets, said Kristen Callahan, owner of Magic Meadows Farms in Middleton and Lake County. The bill only allows farmers to sell to at eight farmers markets a year, but Callahan and other farmers see it as a way to add their profits in difficult times by allowing them to collect fees normally paid to the distributor, middlemen, and dispensaries. They also sell uh, see direct sales as a potential uh, beginning for cannabis tourism in California. Through that, they would require more legalization where visitors could sample different varieties of marijuana at a pot farm similar to what they do at a winery. That makes me super excited. The bill's main opponents are dispensary owners who are concerned about competition to their exclusive franchise under Proposition 64, the legalization that made marijuana sales legal in California. Only dispensaries and delivery services can sell cannabis to consumers. So I'm going to stop right there. Um, that, I think, is the most, you know, where there's going to be the most conflict of interest is with the dispensary owners and these farmers. My first kind of opinion is let the farmers do this, man. The farmers are the backbone of the game. The farmers are the ones who can get this to the source, especially the mom and pop farms. Do you, I really don't think a couple mom and pop grows or a bunch of them, tens, and 20, whatever it is, going to eight farmers markets a year. I don't think that's going to destroy dispensary sales. I think it might affect it slightly, but a lot of these people going to dispensaries using delivery services don't want to go to a weed farmer's market. That's not their style. You know, a lot of these people like the more high-end dispensaries, the quick delivery that's to your door. Now, I could see, you know, more of the, like, the real hardcore stoner crowd enjoying these farmer's markets like they already do in the gray market. But I think opening this up for the farmers is really important. And even more than that, with the dispensary owners getting mad at that, you hear these stories of dispensary owners f 
fucking over the small farmers for real. Like even just flower companies that are bigger, just any, just other cannabis companies. There's this huge thing right now in the industry that's been going on way before I even was aware of it is that these companies will rack up sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt to, let's say, a flower company and they just won't pay. Now you're saying, why do they keep giving them flour if they're not going to pay? That doesn't make sense. But here, here's kind of the caveat to that is the reason that they do is because they want to keep their product on the shelves and get it in the consumer's hands. So they'll be, all right, let's get them another order. They haven't paid yet. They're saying they're going to pay. Let's take their word for it. But we want our product. We still want to, you know, be able to play ball with all the, all these other um, flour companies in the game. So we need to keep our flour on the shelves here. Now with that, when I've talked to several brands and people who are pretty high up in some of these companies, they said the way that they've been able to collect the money really is by partnering with a larger distribution company. Because if sometimes if you're doing your own distro, you're a small to medium business and you don't have that backup, they're, they're just not going to pay you and they're going to screw you over a lot of times. The, what the big distro does is it helps legitimize you and that big distro is carrying a lot of other products. So they can't really not pay you because they want to carry products that people come in there asking for by name. Damn, that was pretty long-winded. Um, so Assemblyman Philip Chen um, said before Tuesday's vote that he was concerned about the farmer's market adding too many places to buy cannabis. As I represent Orange County, there will be an oversaturation of these retailers in many communities, he said. The bill sponsor, Assemblyman Jim Wood um, in Santa Rosa, countered that the legisla uh, legislation the, was about giving the little guy a chance. That's basically what I'm saying, man. The little guy deserves a chance because it's a little guy who started all this shit. We're talking about eight events, he said. We're not talking about everyone getting a separate license. The farmers insist that allowing consumers to sample their products at farmers markets will only promote marijuana more, benefiting all players in legal state industry. And I didn't really think about that before. Somebody goes and gets their stuff at a farmers market. Um, let's just call it True Buds. Somebody smokes some True Buds flour at a farmers market. And they're like, oh, that was awesome. So then they go to their local dispensary when there's not a farmer's market and like, hey, bro, do you have True Buds flour? And they're like, no, but I can look at bringing it on. So I think in general, it would help actually dispensaries as well, find new flour brands and create um, potentially even an increase in sales. It's a different kind of perspective. Farmers can show their products currently at cannabis farmers markets, but the convolute, uh, convoluted system doesn't allow them to make a direct sale. Consumers then have to go to another booth at the market and buy marijuana from a licensed retail operator. That's the whole game. There's always these loopholes you got to dive through and whatnot. But in general, when in doubt, I think we support the little guy. That's what, to me, cannabis is all about. And that's what it's going to really, really, really be about when things eventually do become federal. If we can put the little guy up first right now, if we can put the little little guy there right now, we're putting ourselves in good position. So I really hope this goes through. If this doesn't, I think it's just going to be kind of a bad look, at least in California in general for these farmers, because they won't be able to sustain. Um, we just got to drop taxes. We got to get these guys. Let them do eight fi farmers markets a month. You really think it's going to affect your revenue that much? I don't know. I really don't think so. But at the same time, putting myself in a dispensary owner's shoes, I could see some potential frustration because they're doing everything right. It goes back for me to kind of the whole gray market, black market right now. Everybody, like there's these raids, like I don't know if you guys have seen like um, these dispensaries who are doing things right. Like I, um, 
Backpack Boys got raided. Uh, Tradecraft Farms got raided. And it's like, these people are actually legitimate businesses. So they want to fuck these people over because they have money. Because they know if they bust these illegal grow operations or illegal dispensaries, they just don't have the capital that these legal ones have. So instead of taking your time to mess with legal dispensaries who've gone out of their way to pay a shit ton of taxes, how about you fuck with the other grows that are illegal? Just been my opinion for a minute. And then let's look here. Okay, now we're going to dive into a little... Um, this is this will be kind of skimming the surface of uh, canopy growth because I told you guys a while back I bought some stock in there. And we might also dive into some other cannabis stocks as well. And I'm going to crack a little colon cordial here real quick. A little play. You guys know what I'm saying. Kicks in quick. It's just nice little shot. You can add in anything, take it straight. Precision calibrated with varying terpenes and cannabinoids to give that playful effect. It says like an upbeat sativa feel. Now, in general, the, you know, it's a very volatile market right now, uh, cannabis aside. But it's interesting to see what's going on here too. So cannabis producer Canopy Growth sheds 8% of workforce. Eyes, uh, California, 150 million more in savings. Canadian cannabis producer Canopy Growth slashed approximately 8% of its workforce Tuesday as part of its sweeping changes across the company designed to help stem recent losses and nudge the struggling company to profitability. The latest round of layoffs, around 245 people according to the company, and the, comes as a Canopy Growth struggles with falling sales in Canada. Excuse me. The company has yet to turn a profit. And in, in a news release late Tuesday, Canopy acknowledged their reduced headcount and said it expects to um, the adjustments to generate up to 150 million ca uh, Canadian dollars in savings in 12 to 18 months. Um, but anytime you see a number of that number of employees getting laid off, it's kind of crazy. Um, the Smith Falls, Ontario-based company also warned the latest measures could uh, result in non-cash charges worth uh, CA $250 million to CA $300 million in the fourth quarter of this year, mostly stemming from write-downs of excessive inventory. So this is kind of um, a thing that's been happening to a lot of these bigger operations in general, is that they expand too fast and don't have the proper infrastructure in place to drive the sales for what they're producing kind of, or look at MedMen, they were over leveraged. They had to sell, I think it was all their Florida locations to get an influx of cash. So th there's something about moving too quick in this space that I think is really coming to uh, more of the front line right now um, in the space. According to recent research note by New York-based financial services firm Cantor Fitzgerald, canopy gross market share in January to March quarter fell just 7% from more than 11% one year ago, uh, citing data from analytics company HiFire. Um, the note, canopy's recreational cannabis tumbled 23% of the markets. Now, the interesting thing for me here is that um, I invested at a pretty good time let me check what it is here um i'm gonna go on stash i bought some on stash and i used e-trade as well but right when covid was first hitting um it hit a pretty dang low um yeah okay yeah it's done pretty good for me right now so actually let me see one second 
the position. Okay, so fifth. Okay, so right now the value is fifty thirty eight a share. Um, when I got some, I think it was when COVID first hit about two years ago. It was that March April time? I got some for thirteen a share, fifteen a share. Then I bought some in the twenties as well. Um, so that's pretty good there. But there's some other ones that have been pretty tanked. Um, one that I put, you know, that I was pretty confident in, and I'm still very hopeful for was um weed maps so let me see here uh wm holding um company so that has gone down since my initial investment which is less than a year ago it's gone down 66.88 percent now that's pretty solid now for those of you who aren't um familiar with weed maps it's a it's a really interesting platform it allows you to search find dispensaries near you delivery services reviews and all that but the real way they get i think the bulk of their revenue is through charging dispensaries advertising fees um placement fees other fees into i've heard dispensaries paying tens to twenties twenty thousand dollars for certain advertisements so that's how they go but the reason i was so and still am pretty i don't know I don't want to say bullish, but the reason I was pretty into the weed maps and still am is because I utilize it all the time personally as a cannabis um, sales rep. So I go on there, I look at dispensaries, I find out, I look at their menu, I do my research on there and, it, and just seeing how much I use it for research and other sales reps I know use it as well and just how much customers use it and like how, how it has helped really legitimize the kind of search engine optimization aspect of it um but when i say that I've, I've seen some stats that people have actually done a better job using google um seo lately than had just the same returns even better than some weed maps advertising now that being said there's some loopholes there because once again advertising is harder there now i'm gonna end this whole weed maps uh rant here with a funny story i think i've shared on this podcast before so I was bartending um, at a bar in Redondo Beach and I was making this guy some cocktails. I think I forget what I was making him and we're just bullshit. And I was like, oh, yeah, we started talking about cannabis somehow. He's like, oh, my son's the one that owns weed maps. He's, you know, doing these he's on these yacht parties. He's hanging out like with uh, like celebrities. I think he said like Leo or something. I was like, oh, that's awesome, man. Good for him. man. that's really cool. Like, you know, and he said, this is the funny thing that I'll never forget. He said, that's one piece of sperm that paid off. And I just love that. I think that's funny. Um, if anybody from Weed Maps is watching this, yeah, pretty funny story that your, your dad's a funny guy, man. Um, so, yeah, I think that's about it on these articles. Did I get them all? Let me go back to kind of the agenda here. Okay, so I just wanted to touch on the artist tree real quick um, because it's the first lounge open back up in L.A. since the Lowell Farms slash the OG Cafe when it became that. I have a video on True Buds TV with a quick little tour around that. I'll put that down below um, in the description of this if you want to check it out. Now, the reason I wanted to bring it up is because it just has me super excited, you know, for many reasons. First of all, just a place to go hang out, enjoy cannabis and, you know, have that cool environment. And, this, you know, also somebody who's in cannabis beverage sales is super exciting for me because there's been so many these lounges that are slated to open. And there's still a lot that are supposed to be coming down the pipeline in West Hollywood. And that's also going to create a lot more competition in the space itself. But why I'm super excited is not only does it help legitimize cannabis, cannabis beverages, but it allows for that whole new type of consumption and kind of sales um, methodology, if you will, um, is that 
picture going to a bar. You're going to go to a bar um, and you're usually most people that would come to the bars I was working at would have a, work up a pretty nice tab, even if they're by themselves. So whether instead of going into a lounge and buying a pre-roll, smoking that to your head and you're just going to be high the whole time, which is cool. I did that the other day. But the beauty of drinks is the repeat. And that's where if you talk to a lot of restaurant owners, bar owners, that's where the money comes from is that markup on the alcohol. So that's where I'm a huge proponent of taking that price point and bringing it directly over to the lounges if the the if it's a quality cocktail. I'm saying like if you're paying 12 to 15 dollars for a cannabis cocktail, it better be on that craft level. If it's just a simple pour, it should be less. But I'm super excited to see this all come to fruition because just sitting in there smoking, drinking a cannabis drink, met some other employees. Um, it was just super cool. You can go there, do your work, have meetings there. And I'm just really excited to see lounges come up. And I know there's some other states who are making some really good headway. There's just so many legalities out here in California, which I've alluded to in these other articles. And it's just a process, man. So shout out to Artistry making it happen. I know it's a process to get this stuff open, so... Shout out to you guys. Now, I kind of alluded to earlier how I got started in cannabis. And it was just, I found actually some, my little brother did, found an ounce of some shitty weed in my dad's closet when we were in high school, or I was in high school. My brother was little. We broke it up. I kept the whole thing. Long story short, I smoked it my eighth grade summer. I fell in love with it, started selling it. Always you know, just having fun, getting creative with it. And it just always stuck with me since then. And, you know, finding ways to have fun with it, flip it, make edibles with it. And now since I've been out here in California, I started True Buds TV and this podcast as well. And I've worked with a bunch of different companies, met so many cool people on these podcasts. And it's just been a way for me to keep, you know, connecting with the community, diving in. And then now with the media side and the podcast and all this, when COVID hit, I used this kind of as leverage to get more into the cannabis sales space. So then I started doing sales for Pirwana, the only live resin powder on the market. You've probably seen me do videos about that and talk about it on podcasts, give it to people. And more recently, I've started working for Koan, these precision calibrated cordials. That's just like a perfect little shot. You can drink straight or mix it in anything you want for any experience you want. And we're and we're really with Koan. There's nobody else in the game right now who's as precision calibrated as we are and breaking it down is scientifically for that repeat experience and the seven different experiences we have. And we have sleep coming soon. If you didn't check my recent podcast talking about CBN, I touch base on our upcoming sleep product that's really going to revolutionize, I think, sleep products in general. And I think this will be kind of a landmark sleep product. And also, I'll put down below too, um, I actually was interviewed on a podcast. Um, actually, the guy who's part owner of the studio, Mike Mazzalotti, I've had him on a bunch of times, but he had me on his podcast and it was cool to be interviewed by him. And, um, you know, he asked me a lot of questions about me and my cannabis experience and kind of True Buds TV. So I'll put that below too, if you want to see me get interviewed and kind of have a switch up uh, vibe of the podcast there. Now, getting to, I think, one that some of these creators out here are really going to like is how to make money with online cannabis content. Now, there's a lot of ways you can do this. And I'm only going to speak on ways that I've really done it. I think 
I don't know, maybe I can refer to some friends and stuff, but you look at people in the cannabis space and let's say YouTube, Instagram, whatever, you can't get money through traditional means. For instance, like the biggest weed YouTuber, um, his name's Dope is Yola. I think the dude has like one point some million subs. He has, and like, he probably has, I don't know how many millions of views he has, but he doesn't get any ad revenue. I've never gotten any ad revenue. Actually, I take that back. I had, I was monetized for a minute. And then as soon as I got to like the payment threshold, I think I, it was like a hundred bucks. I think my, when it was like 89 or some shit, and then they canceled my monetization, which I don't really care. That's not much money. So it forces you to be creative. And no, let me get to the just bulk of it here. Um, you're like, dude, come on, just tell me how to fucking make this happen. So what I've found that works for me is finding companies you like, reaching out to them, or if they reach out to you, cool too. But the way you really do it is through affiliate marketing and online sales. And it's not even, hey guys, buy this product here that I'm holding. This product's super dope. Buy this product. No, that's that's worked before. But where I've had the best conversions is not doing a hard sell at all. It's in my how-to videos. Um, I'll be doing a how-to video and I'll be using a certain machine, whether it's a Levo or I'll test it with the T-Check, for instance. Or maybe I'm doing something about the freeze pipe more recently. And I have a lot more content coming for the freeze pipe because I truly think it's really dope bong and our pipes are really cool and unique um way to consume with the frozen silicon coils but that that right there is the key is creating a useful piece of content such as a how-to video how to make cannabis infused coconut oil let's say i'm showing everybody how to make it and then i'll be like hey guys you know if you want to test your potency use a t-check 2 potency tester this is what i use um maybe that's a little too expensive for you let me show you how to break down the potency um using mental math or you know using a calculator um or hey this is the infusion device i'm using today is the levo 2 you guys can get it you can save money using code truebuds tv or you know if that's a little out of your price point you can still use a crock pot or any other method so i still like point it out and also show ways that you don't need to have it. But if you do have that extra money, it is a nice product that I think you'll really like and you'll utilize quite often. So that is how I've been able to make the most consistent online money, especially when it comes to residual content. The evergreen content has been a game changer for me. And that's mostly these um, how-to videos, podcasts, of course, because we get people spitting gems here. But really, really providing that value, that upfront value with, you know, just I don't even know if a pitch is the right word. I mean, it is a pitch because you are trying to make the sale. But at the same time, if they don't buy it, I'm cool. I know the video is going to live out there. I know somebody eventually is going to click it. They're going to save money, too, is the beauty of it. Like if anybody's thinking about buying something and they see the video, I know if I'm thinking about buying something, I'll Google it, type it in, and there's a good chance. And that's also something that's very important too is building up your um, the the keyword search. So for instance, I took that on hard with T-Check. So when I started working with T-Check, I said, I'm going to make like 15 videos off the rip that go, that are in depth, that provide value, that give me that stake in those keywords. So if you go right now and probably Google the T-Check 2 potency tester, let me do it actually. I'm probably going to, I'll probably pop up a bunch of my videos will probably pop up and then they all have discount codes. And I'm using this, the T-Check as an example. There's so much other stuff out there. And even my Amazon store, you know, I'll make like 
such a small commission on there, but it doesn't hurt. I just put the link below, you know, make 10, 20, 30 bucks a month isn't shit, but Hey, that's a little free smoke. Um, let's click video see if, see if anything pops up here. Yep. Um, so I go to type in T check two on Google, um, out of the first one, two, three, four, out of the first four videos, two of them are mine. So that's not terrible. That's pretty good. And there actually, and then there's another couple down here too. So my point is if you, when you do find something that you fuck with, just go super hard, hard on it and it will pay off in the long run uh, really well, or hopefully it does. And that's also a key to it too, is you, you got to actually like it and believe in it. Or I think people will sniff that out. So that that's kind of how else can you make money with online cannabis content too? I'm just going to brainstorm here live with you. You know, there's people too who live stream. You can get donations on live stream. Twitch recently has been, and the, they've been accepting cannabis in the general, but they're, they're really stepping up the level to really bring cannabis into their network. Um, you can do Patreon. Um, I have a Patreon. I never push it. You can do merch. I have merch. I sell merch every now and then. I don't really push it either that hard. Um, and the reason I'm not a big fan of pushing the Patreon personally is I, I don't even know why necessarily. I just, I don't know. I, I've, I feel like I probably should push it more, but I, I feel kind of weird making that ask sometimes, I guess. Um, that's why I kind of try to pitch uh, more tangible stuff. But that's where also too, there is the the aspect of providing that exclusive content on there where I think that can really provide value by creating a membership um, program, if you will, with private content, more in-depth content. And I actually did that um, on my website for a little bit. Um, and I need to kind of get back in that world of creating the private content. But I'm all about also just getting it out there to share with people as well in general. Um, but I think that private content is really interesting. Something else that I'm also planning on doing in the future is doing a more in-depth video on this, like what I've learned in the cannabis industry, how to make money, and basically how to save you time from my mistakes, what I've learned just along the way. And I just want to sell something like that for like 99 cents. Like I might even give it out for free. But like just there, there's so many ways you can and I'm trying to think of other people I know. Um, There's other people too. Like I had a girly ganja on the podcast recently. She works with a bunch of people who do grow lights and tents. And then she can, you know, put those links below and get commission on that. So whatever you like, maybe you're not an edible maker lover like me. What do you like? Maybe, maybe you like bongs. So work with some bong companies. Maybe like rolling up, work with Thrall. I mean, there's ways you can get, get the money out here. But the bottom line is, it's hard as fuck, really. You, you gotta, you gotta get after it. You gotta build your audience. You have to have the right, but you don't need, for the right, for the right product and the right keywords though, you don't necessarily need an audience. So for instance, if I found a product that was super interesting, unique, and I just had no subscribers. But if I had the right piece of content with a coupon code, somebody would still likely buy that. It's my thought. And I guess we can touch on, it's kind of crazy talking just straight through like this to you guys. But I guess we can talk on here too about what I consume the most. What are my most consumed cannabis products recently and kind of in general? So I would say recently, of course, these um, Koan Cordials. 
So I've been really diving in with with Koan Cordials. Obviously, I work for them, so I really want to figure out and understand the product to the best of my ability, and I really enjoy the effects. Secondly, for like, and just in general, I'd say this is my most purchased product, I'd say from dispensaries in general, Pro Tabs. These are the Hashtab Indicas. Um, they teamed with Biscotti, I believe, for these, or usually said Biscotti on there. Maybe this isn't their collab, or maybe it's just on the paper side. But anyway, these are 250 milligrams and they're hash tabs. They have other, all different types of blends of tabs. And I think that's why I really like them too, is they're pretty scientific, like scientifically based and dialed in with different um, cannabinoids. And um, that's what I really like. And that's part of the reason I love Koan so much. So yeah, this is what I personally probably purchased the most in dispensaries. Um, but I do consume a ton of Koan. I still drink Purewana. I enjoy all cannabis beverages. And I do for flower lately. I'd say the flower I've been smoking the most is Farm to Lab and that Blueberry Obama. You guys have heard me going off on it recently, but really, really enjoying Farm to Lab lately. But my second most purchased product from dispensaries after Pro Tabs, and it's not necessarily just one. Um, what I typically buy and always trying is the solventless gummies or even chocolates recently with like a pop on Barclays chocolate. But I always like trying live resin and rosin gummies and whatnot. Now I had these ones. I bought these yesterday. Um, Caldia. I don't know how to say that properly. Elefante. It says on here, 100 milligrams ice water rosin gummies. Now it caught my eye because it comes in like a little joint looking tube pops out it's just like a little cube like that they taste really good and hit good too now there's there's a lot of people who are doing um the these type of gummies um i feel like the ones who really penetrated the market first pretty hard on a live resin gummy you've heard me talk about probably was uh, the kiva caminos um so i've had those of course a bunch of times i've had these recently 710 labs gummies um what other rosin ones have i had recently um dang I've, i i try so many i'm trying to think of some of the other ones i've had recently but yeah that i'm always looking for the solventless gummies but that's the interesting thing too about just let's just go and talk about gummies or edibles for a second is i enjoy the taste of a solventless gummy like these taste a little weedy because it's a rosin gummy but i know i'm getting the full spectrum i'm getting that entourage effect and for those of you that aren't familiar of the entourage effect it's everything acting together in synchronicity with the strain to give you the the effect so it's more than just the thc which is the delta 9 it's about everything else in there the varying terpenes is there some myrcene in there um is there pinene linalool uh, osamine is there cbd in there is there cbg how much cbn there's all these things that act together that give you a more complex uh flower smoker like high and that that is what i really like about it because you can go eat, uh, you know, if you gave me a hundred milligram a distillate chocolate bar with just THC and a hundred milligram um, gummy with just THC, a hundred milligram cookie with just THC, the high is basically going to be the same damn thing every time. And that's why if you've ever got a distillate cartridge and you smoke it, it doesn't really get you that high a lot. And then you move to a live resin or rosin cartridge, that's really going to get you super stone and super there. So that's kind of how I feel about edibles in general. And that's kind of my, I get, buy these pro tabs a ton. I buy rosin gummies a ton. And then I drink 
a lot, a lot of cannabis beverages. And I'm going to do a whole video. Actually, I hope I have on uh, Paulo Sorbral. I hope I said your last name right there, Paulo. Paulo is a cannabis beverage fanatic. I've worked with him at Piruana and Koan, and he's super in the space. I think he's advising like five or six different cannabis brands right now. And I believe he's launching his own drink soon too. So I really hope to have him on the podcast because when it comes to cannabis drinks, he is the dude and he's taught me a lot. So thank you, Paulo. I appreciate that. And um, with that too, it's really funny. I actually said it on this podcast um, before I started you know, grinding on the sales beverage world, cannabis beverage world, is that I said it, I was talking to a guest and I've said it a couple of times. I was like, and that's where I just put in and out in the world. You know, I was like, I'm really kind of looking for a mentor right now in the cannabis sales space. And then sure enough, I've had some, a couple really solid people come into my life in the cannabis space through Piruana, through Koan, through other companies, through other connections. But I'll say it's, it's really cool to have have that, you know, come to fruition. And I hope to do the same for people of, you know, in the future. So I'm just all about cannabis beverages, but even more than that is just kind of learning as much as I can, because let's be real. Like one day I've talked about it so many times on here. I want to have, you know, my own thing. I want to have my own product. I want to have my own dispensary. I want to have my own lounge. I want to, you know, I want all those things. And what it takes to that I think is underestimated in the space and just any space in general really is people thinking they can just come in and know the game and own it just because they have a little, you know, capital or maybe they don't even have that much capital. But it's like, I'm a huge believer in doing everything, doing all the grunt work, not doing it forever because you'll spread yourself too thin. But I'm just a huge believer personally that I need to know as much as I can. Like I've learned so much on the back end of like doing sale dispensary, like retail sales in the past year like it, it's been like a crash course for me and I wouldn't change it for anything. It, it, it's been amazing. And that's like putting in those reps. Now I know so much more than I would if, if I went to go start my own thing, however long ago, and I still don't plan on doing that for quite some time, to be honest with you, I want to keep working in the space. I want to keep learning. I want to keep networking. And I think things will just naturally come together and I'll be able to create something beautiful. And that's what it's all about too, just the partnering and when I do do that, I'll be, you know, working with people I've worked with in the past. You know, maybe some people from Piruana, Koan, people that I've had on the podcast from True Buds TV, True Buds Show. Like, it's all about that. It's all about the community aspect of cannabis. And that is why cannabis is so awesome, too. And it was funny. I was doing this event on 420. Hope you guys had an awesome 420, by the way. I did two events, actually. I was doing some drinks at 99 High Tide in Malibu. It was really fun. If you haven't been to that dispensary, go check it out. Grab some koan. They also have like a little lounge room I haven't checked out that you can do like a sound bath at. Anyway, we're doing this other event in Venice Beach and I meet this bartender, Tom. Shout out to you. Super stand-up guy. Just really, really good dude. And he was serving cannabis drinks and at one point towards the end, he looked over. Everybody's kind of sitting around a fire. We're making some cannabis drinks. And everybody's just chilling, smiling. And he's like, man, this is awesome. He's like, this is just such a different vibe. And I say that all the time. It really is like everybody's chilling. Everybody's happy. Every it, It's another level. And it's something you truly have to experience is that community aspect of events and cannabis. And it just helps bring everybody closer together. So without much more, guys, that was a freaking rant. Like I don't even I've been talking for a minute. Um, I haven't talked that much straight to a camera in a while, but 
you guys know that I'm always just trying to drop what I can. I hope something in here clicked well for you. I hope you found something useful. And I hope you're getting nice and stoned today. And uh, yeah, man, take it easy, guys. Always love having you on the True Bud Show podcast. I'll catch you on the next episode, which I think I'm actually going to have my buddy Bryce back on. And he's pretty, he's actually really into the crypto world, but he's also a good person to soundboard off of because he's not a necessary like cannabis user. So it's good to get his, you know, opinion on somebody who's kind of on the outside because you guys know how it is in anything you're doing. You can get so sucked in and put it on the blinders is a good thing. But sometimes it's good to have that outside opinion of certain things and makes you think a different way. So keep an eye out for that, whether you like crypto or you just want to see a different opinion or see some old college buddies just mess around and laugh and crack some stupid ass jokes. But either way, I love you guys and I will talk to you soon.